Welcome to the Cinema Rack, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of The Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to talk about Hugh Grant, do a retrospective on Hugh Grant. And the reason I'm doing this is because I recently saw Dungeons and Dragons, which I believe you can find on Paramount Plus if you have Paramount. And I found the movie to be delightful. I might just do a standalone review later on or maybe do an episode where I review four or five recent movies that I've seen. But I kind of grew up with these these sci-fi adventure action movies, and I just don't see them as much anymore because I think kind of the MCU and has has replaced these movies. But Dungeons and Dragons was a lot of fun. It's the Chris Pine vehicle, and it has Hugh Grant playing the the villain. And Hugh Grant has done this quite a bit near the the latter half of his career, playing like the bad guy or the weird guy, and. He's good in this movie. He's funny and he's great. He's a great actor. And the thing about Hugh Grant is that I've pretty much grown up with this guy. This man has been in my life from a very young age. And of course, you could say that with Cruz. You could say this with other people. But Hugh Grant was always somebody that I found to be attracted to, not in a, in a homosexual way, but I mean, just his his what he represented to me growing up when I turned to being, a, a, I suppose, an amateur cinephile in the mid-90s when I started watching Oscar movies and, and just be absorbed with anything British, British history, British literature, British movies. And, of course, that's where he got his start. But the gentleman is 62 years old, almost 63 years old, and his personal life is fascinating. But we'll start with his early work. I remember he did a lot of work on television and stuff before he got big, he was seen in Maurice, which was a 1987 work based on the novel. And I think maybe that's where some people got hit the first his first taste, their first taste of him. But really, I think to me, and this, this feeds about May and I, to me, the first time I really saw him, I think, was Remains of the Day. 92, 93, I think, is where he kind of got his big break. So if you look at Remains of the Day, he's in that. That is the... Anthony Hopkins, Emma Thompson movie where they're essentially butlers or servants and they they have an affection for each other, but they're they're both so uptight they can't really talk about their feelings for each other. And he plays a small role in that. Then 1994, you get Four Weddings and a Funeral. Four Weddings and a Funeral is, I think, his first, if I'm not mistaken, his first collaboration with Richard Curtis, who he ends up doing a lot of movies with. And the thing about early Grant, and some people used to find this charming, but I used to do an imitation, maybe would know this, I used to do an imitation of Hugh Grant. I am not good with him, imitations. But he in, in his early works, and I think it's best seen in Four Weddings, but I'd say in the first, in all through the 90s into the early knots, he does a lot of the... That's like his charm. The British stuttering... <laughs> so he does a lot of that in Four Weddings. And watching Four Weddings again, it's it's just fascinating how Annie McDowell's character is such a horrible woman. And 
It seems like Hugh Grant's characters are attracted to horrible women because we'll talk about the, the most horrible woman that he interacts with in, the, in his movies upcoming. But she sleeps behind her, her her fiance's back, and then there's a scene in the diner where she admits that she's had thirty three lovers, thirty four lovers, something like that, including him. And he's like, you know, and he still finds her attractive, wants to be with her. And the thing is, look, I think Annie McDowell is attractive at her peak. Of course, her her daughter is Margaret Qualley, which is a sexy Saturday here, who kind of looks like her, but doesn't. But I just find it fascinating. The, the, either Richard Curtis wrote this, like, did he really think that men would want to be with a woman who's had 33 lovers? Is this the effect of the sex positive movement? Uh, most men would, would probably walk away, no matter how beautiful a woman is, if she openly says she's had 34 lovers. Either way, the movie was a hit in England, and that's what really got him. Uh, attention. Then he does the movie Sirens, which I remember seeing in the theaters. That's like an Australian movie. He's a young minister, and then uh, he and his wife have to move somewhere, and and they interact with three beautiful models at the time. It's a period movie, of course, and I think Elle McPherson's in that, if I'm not mistaken. Then I, the Englishman who went up a hill and came down, but came down a mountain. I think he plays like some sort of cartographer who it's one of those charming movies that takes place in, in Wales and and uh, yeah, vaguely remember it. Then his first big appearance in Hollywood was Nine Months. This is the one with Julianne Moore and he finds out, their, their boyfriend girlfriend, he finds out his girlfriend is pregnant and Robin Williams is in this. It's an okay movie. I wouldn't say it's, it's necessarily the best. That same year, he does Sense and Sensibility. That's gonna be Ang Lee and again, Emma Thompson. And he plays uh, one of the, the suitors. Then in 95, he does Restoration. In Restoration, I loved this movie when it came out. I absolutely love this movie because I'm a big history geek. And this is the one that takes place during the Restoration, English Restoration of the Stuarts, so King Charles II. And essentially, it's a Robert Downey Jr. vehicle. This is, of course, when he's doing quite a bit of drugs, but this is right after Chaplin. And he plays a doctor who eventually falls in love with the king's mistress. And I think the king's played by Sam Neill from Jurassic Park fame. And then things ensue and he's banished. And Meg Ryan is in this and plays a really bad English accent. Either way, Hugh Grant's in this movie and they were very open about how they did not get along in this movie. And I'm gonna read you a quote that because Hugh Grant is is notorious for not getting along with many of his co-stars. He's just notorious. So this is what Downey Jr. said about Grant. Quote, I kind of think he's a jerk, don't know. I just think he is. My personal experience with him, I think he's this kind of self-important kind of like boring flash in the pan asshole Brit. <laughs> That's what he said. And then Downey, I'm sorry, that was Downey about Grant. Well, he was wrong about flash in the pan. Grant, because you could argue that Hugh Grant's had more success than Robert Downey Jr. if you take away the Marvel movies. Then Grant in 2018 admitted, he said, quote, Downey hated me. He took one look at me and wanted to kill me. Let's take a break. I wanted to let you know about some of the other feeds here at the Eclectico Gregorio. The oldest one we have is The Awakened Man, which mostly deals with holistic health, medical cover-ups, ways to biohack your life, to ensure longer longevity, medical conspiracies and naturopathic stuff. We also have, and that there's probably about 400, 500 episodes over there. We started that one back in 20, 
17, 2016, I believe. We also have the Female Holistic Health Apothecary, which originally started as an essential oils feed. And there's about 100 episodes on essential oils, particular essential oils like rose and lavender and sandalwood and so forth. And then later I morphed it into more topics that are regarded for female health, female specific. We've had that feed also since 2016. And then lastly, we have Confessions of an Obese Child, which deals with my childhood obesity and trauma that came from it. So it's a great feed for those who dealt with childhood trauma that led you to have addictions to alcohol or food. And I interviewed several people and what it was like to grow up overweight and all the difficulties of losing the weight and then keeping it off and trying to metamorphosize into a regular weighted person. So check out those feeds at the Eclectical Gregory on Apple or Spotify. He took one look at me and wanted to kill me. I was so hurt. But then later on on Twitter, apparently they made amends. But I love that movie. It's a small movie. It's one of those, at that time in my life, this is college, I'm just catching every Oscar bait British movie. And that movie is seared into my mind. I just love it so much, even though it was not necessarily, by, by no means, a commercial success. So he does that in 95. Extreme Measures in 96, that's Hugh Jackman. I think he plays a doctor in that movie. Then he does Notting Hill in 99. Now, Notting Hill is one of his iconic movies. And of course, he's the typical charming guy. He's the, the regular bloke who Julia Roberts' movie star falls in love with him. And I think I find this movie in some levels reprehensible because Julia Roberts' character is a horrible woman. She's truly a horrible woman. Aside from her being the, the, the movie star, you cannot see why anyone would like this woman. She is gaslighting him. She's cold. She's distant. She shows no interest in him. And then she comes and wants to sleep with him. And then she essentially uses him. And it's just, it's, it's, what? <laughs> when you watch this movie, it's like, what? But of course, you know, she's a famous superstar. And then they end up together at the end. There's that great Elvis Costello song in it. That same year, he does Mickey Blue Eyes. This is the one with James Caan. He's, he's, engaged to dream jean Triplehorn, you know she was having a moment in the 90s and then he finds out that her family is involved with the mob and essentially it's like a a spoof of all the godfather movies and of course he's playing the fish out of water which he does really well because he's doing a lot of the then 2001 is bridget jones's diary i think this is one of his better roles because of course he's daniel cleaver this is an iconic movie based on an iconic novel series and his Daniel Cleaver, I think, you know, definitely, I'm, I'm a heterosexual man, but he looks very handsome in this movie. And he plays what I think is part of who he is, just kind of this smarmy, confident, handsome jerk. I think that is who he is in real life. But it's a winning movie, and of course, it was very successful. 2002 is about a boy. He's a cat who sleeps with single moms and then falls in love with one of the the single moms' kids who's played by Nicholas Holt, who, of course, is a very well-known and well-regarded uh, actor today who was just in The Menu uh, with you, with Ray Fiennes last year and is in The the Great with one of my sexy Saturdays, Al Fanning. So he's really peaking here. 2002, Two Weeks Notice, that's a Sandra Bullock movie. Uh, again, he's like the, the super rich guy. She's the secretary to him. And then eventually they fall in love. You know, he's the typical, I don't know what I'm doing, stupid CEO. And she gets so frustrated kind of keeping him in line. 
then later on, he does Love Actually, which obviously is another one of his iconic roles. He plays the Prime Minister. It's kind of like, I suppose, a Tony Blair uh, kind of avatar. It's a great movie. It's a classic movie. This is another Richard Curtis movie, if I'm not mistaken. And it's iconic, and he's great in it. And it's a great ensemble movie. Then he does Bridget Jones, Edge of Reason, 2004. So he's really in his peak at this time. If you look at, I, I mean, he's one of the top actors. If you go from, I would say, Notting Hill, so 99 to about 2005, it's just hit after hit after hit for this guy. So he does... American Dreams in 2006. This movie kind of fell flat. He kind of plays like, I believe it's like an American Idol kind of show, and he's the host of it. 2007's Music and Lyrics. This is one of my movies I love. Uh, he and Barrymore apparently did not get along in this movie. Go to that episode I did on Music and Lyrics. He plays essentially an 80s new wave has-been who needs to write a song for a Britney Spears esque character and so he he can write melodies but he can't write words so he finds this girl who's a who who waters his plants who's a natural lyricist played by joe barrymore and so they have to write this song in a short amount of time and let me quote you what 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 she says what he says about barrymore in this movie he says quote well drew i think i could do my really bad british accent but I, I my british accent exceedingly bad i can do like a cockney Hello, I'm Cockney, but I, my, my accents are bad. Well, Drew, I think, did hate me a bit, but I admired her. We were just very different human beings. She was very L.A., and I was old, grumpy Londoner. The funny thing is, though, although it was fractionally tense on the set of that film, I think the chemistry is rather good between us. Sometimes tension makes a good crackle. So... That's what, that's what he says. But apparently they've they've reunited and, and he's actually gone on, their, on, on the Drew Barrymore show. Watching that movie the first time and the several times I've seen it, I would never suspect that they did not get along in that movie. I think it's a, it's a great winning movie. And uh, they're both very good in it. They're both very good in it. So starting around this time, I would say Hugh Grant starts going through the desert period of his career. For a little while, he does. Do, do you, did you hear about the Morgans at Sarah Jessica Parker, two thousand nine? That was kind of a kind of a miss. He has a role in Cloud Atlas. That movie was kind of a tank. That's Aronofsky, if I'm not mistaken. He's in Man from Uncle in two two thousand fifteen. You notice, so he's taken a lot of years off. Whereas, like from, from the late nineties, early nights, he's cranking out at least two movies a year. Starting in really after music and lyrics, there's two years between that and Did You Hear the Morgans. Then it's three years between that and Cloud Atlas. Then two years between that and the rewrite, which was just an invisible movie. Then A Man from Uncle. Then he comes back and he does Florence Foster Jenkins. This is the movie with Meryl Streep about a, a woman who thinks she can sing and perform and she can't. And he doesn't have the heart to tell her. And I think it's interesting because if you look at music and lyrics, which is 2007, he still looks relatively young. He would be uh, 38, 45 at this point. But when he comes back to do the, the, the biggest mainstream movie from, from music and lyrics in 2007, which is Florence Foster Jenkins, 2016, this is a nine-year period. He looks old in Florence Foster Jenkins. And I remember seeing this movie like, man, Hugh Grant's age. He's got the bloated face and he definitely entered middle-ageness. So he does that in 2016. Then he does one of which I think is one of his more later iconic works, which is Paddington 2. He plays the villain, the villain in Paddington 2, uh, Phoenix Buchanan. And he, 
he's great in this. And I think it starts this run of him where he's just playing bad guys. Just just not really bad guys. And he does a good job of it in Paddington too. Then he does a very English scandal. This was a TV show in England that was very successful. Then he does The Gentleman in 2019. I really enjoyed this movie. I doubt it'll ever be a movie I love. But it's all right, all right, all right, playing the lead role, McConaughey. And it has an ensemble. And it, it's essentially a, a movie about McConaughey's character who sells pot and has this big underground empire and various people in, in, in that world who are trying to undermine it. And Hugh Grant plays the guy who's a reporter, I believe, who's getting the the story from Charlie Dunham, who plays one of McConaughey's lieutenants. And in the, in the whole story, in the, in the flashback, he's just great. Hugh Grant's great. He's got this great kind of Cockney accent. He's just really good in this role. And you can't even recognize him in this movie. I really recommend the movie if you haven't seen it. And then that's 2019. Then he's in uh, the HBO show, The Undoing. He's very good in this. He plays a doctor who's married to Nicole Kidman. I think Nicole Kidman is a psychologist. And I won't ruin this because it's only six episodes you can watch on HBO. It's essentially somebody is murdered. He's suspected of the murder. She doesn't believe he's capable of it. And then just watch it from there. But he is very good in that. Very convincing. I definitely recommend you watch that. Then he's got a small cameo in Glass Onion. He plays the lover of Daniel Craig's character. And then after that, he does Operation Fortune. He, he plays Greg in that movie. And I don't think that movie did well. If I'm not mistaken, Operation Fortune is the Jason Statham movie that is done by Guy Ritchie, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't think it really did that well. And then he does Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, which came out this year. So look, in the next year, or at the end of this year, he is in, and man, does this guy need a hit? He is in Timothy Chalamet's Wonka, and he's playing, I mean, can he do this role well? I think he will. He is playing Oompa Loompa. That, that is the name. I don't know if they, they're going to do it where he, remember in the, in the weird Johnny Depp one, they had that, that, that short man, whatever they want to call him now, what he's called the midgets. And it was that one actor who played the same one. Whereas in the old Gene Wilder, they had a variety of little people playing the role. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I mean, God, I would say Hugh Grant is perfect to play a weird Oompa Loompa because at this point in his career, and he was always funny. You know, you're going back to like even music and lyrics 2007. I don't think he has a problem making fun of himself. And in music and lyrics, he's definitely making fun of himself. And I think there's been an evolution because if you look at his early works, they were definitely more high period merchant ivory British period movies, and then later on you could see them kind of with Daniel Cleaver and Bridget Jones, and then two and then in, in uh, music and lyrics, and then certainly later on in Paddington, he he has this kind of self-effacing. I don't care. I'll be a complete kind of evil moron character, and I I love watching the press junkets for some of these movies because you could tell he just doesn't care he's just like so checked out and he doesn't really care and part of that you got to respect him for that so he's uh gonna do wonka he also has a movie called unfrosted which looks interesting 
So the, 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 the blurb for this is Michigan, 1963. Business rivals Kellogg's and Post compete to create a cake that could change breakfast forever. So that's already in post-production. So he's in that. Now, Hugh Grant, personal life, fascinating, fascinating. And some of you already know what his personal life was like. So he started dating Elizabeth Hurley very, very early in his career before he got big. And I mean, God, Elizabeth Hurley is just gorgeous. She still looks great now. But back in her peak in the 90s, and at his peak, they were like the super British couple. Because you know, Hugh Grant, when he was younger, despite his... was He's a handsome man. He's a handsome man. And then Elizabeth Hurley is just gorgeous. So they're together. Then many of you know, in 1995, he was arrested for propositioning a prostitute, Divine Brown. And I remember, I think it was either Letterman or... Le- I think it was Leno. So he was promoting Nine Months, and Nine Months was his first major studio film, the one with Julianne Moore, because he had done mostly British period movies. So this was a big deal, and, he, and this, uh, this occurred two weeks before the release of Nine Months. So he had to go on the press junkets, and so Jay Leno asks him, what the hell were you thinking? And, and this is, and this is you know, live, it's recorded earlier in the day, but... Grant says, I think you know in life what's a good thing to do and what's a bad thing. And I did a bad thing. There you have it. And then later on, he's on Larry King. And in general, he's just like, yeah, I, I was a moron. I was a moron. because pe- And this is what people say. It's like, you have one of the most beautiful women in the planet as your girlfriend. And you solicited a prostitute who's not that attractive. Like, what were you thinking, right? What were you thinking? People just couldn't understand. They couldn't relate to that. And he's like, I don't have any excuses. I don't I don't have any excuses. So either way, they dated. Even after that, they dated. They dated all the way to 2000. And I think maybe some of it was just familiarity breeds contempt. At that point, uh, when the Divine Brown prostitution thing happened, they had been dating seven or eight years. And, and, and in total, they dated over 10 years. But they get along. He is the godfather to Hurley's son who was born after they broke up. So Grant has five children with two different women and has not been married to either of them. So th- this is con- this is confusing. So he has two children from an Asian woman, a Chinese woman, Tingling Hong. So apparently the way it happened was he had a hookup with her in 2011. She got pregnant. And they had a kid called Xing Chi, which means happy surprise. I'm sorry to any Chinese people listening, I probably mispronounced that. So they had an affair. Then after that, he starts dating a Swedish television producer, Anna Eberstein, in 2012. They have a kid. Then he got back with Tingling Hong briefly, and she gave birth to a kid son in 2012 so so, i mean get get the optic of this so in the year 2012 he fathers two children within four months of each other in september 2012 she has he has the kid with the swedish woman and then in december of 2012 he has the kid with tingling hong so this kind of reminds me of tom brady when tom brady impregnated uh, bridget moynihan and then she was pregnant and then he started with Giselle Bunchen at the time, but Bunchen wasn't at least pregnant. I mean, what kind of awkward conversation is that? I mean, this is how you know you got some game because he's like, 
Hey, Anna. Just so you know, I got another woman pregnant. So I have, you're pregnant with my kid, but I also have, I mean, because these, these women were both pregnant at the same time. I'm sure he probably told both. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? So I don't, <laughs> what, what kind of conversations were that? Was that? So then after that, he gets back with Eberstein and he has a kid in 2015 with her. That's his fourth. And then another child with her in 2018 and then they eventually married in 2018 so he's currently married to her but had five kids out of wedlock hugh grant and the thing is like in america nobody knows this but in uh in in england it is kind of kind of salacious so going back to his relationship with his co-stars he had talked about how he doesn't get along with drew barrymore and then he also didn't get along with julianne moore back when he was doing nine months in the 90s, and then also Rachel Weiss. But then he later told Graham Norton that he didn't know why he mentioned Rachel Weiss because they're actually on good terms. But openly, he says, and he has praised Sandra Bullock, Sarah Jessica Parker, Emma Thompson, Meryl Streep, and all these things, and has said Renee Zellweger was delightful. But, you know, I, I think that, honestly, Hugh Grant probably is a British douchebag, and I think Downey called him on it back in the 90s that he probably was a pretentious blue blood douchebag and i think now he is just an older pretentious douchebag who is more self-effacing who is more honest but he's still kind of just now he's 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 all those things but he's now kind of a curmudgeon just an older man he's in his 60s curmudgeon but to his credit i think Hugh Grant picks roles where it's almost a character of himself and he can laugh at himself. And I don't foresee any reason why he wouldn't continue to have a career. He did have like in the late teens, kind of a, a bleak period. He wasn't getting good quality roles, but he's a good actor for what he delivers. And as long as he picks roles that where it's a mixture of kind of the highbrow British stuff, either television or movies, and then on occasion he can do these villainous stuff like he did kind of in The Gentleman and Paddington and in Dungeons and Dragons, um, I think he's going to have a great career. And I've always liked Hugh Grant, even though he just all the time did the big stutter. I grew up with him and, and I've always liked Hugh Grant. I have just, I'm, I'm pretty biased toward him. And I'll ask May what, what her take on Hugh Grant is. So guys, a couple of things you can do. I'll post a poll over at Spotify, whether or not you think Hugh Grant is a good actor. Please rate and review either on Apple or Spotify because it helps with the algorithm. There's a link for PayPal. Please make a donation. And there's also a link to the website which hosts all the Eclectico Gregorio feeds. But honestly, the best way to listen to them is on Apple and Spotify. Until next time, take care. God bless and pray. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.